0: Hey guys, this is me, Did You Move Today? Welcome to the Did Today podcast. I'm your host, Andrea, and I'm very excited to be here. In this episode, I have Daniel Aslan as my guest. He's a second year PhD student in the Motor Control Research Lab at the University of Illinois. He's currently researching the neurological underpinnings of motor learning in people neurological disorders. He has a BS and MS in kinesiology from Humboldt State University. He's a previous lab manager for the Movement Analysis Lab Department of Physical Therapy at Roslin Franklin University of Medicine and Science, and has coached track for Ventura College. He recently published a paper in the Journal of Aging and Physical Activity titled Bicycling for Exercise Helps Maintain a Youthful Metabolic Cost of Walking in Older Adults. So I'll make sure to leave the link in the bio. So without further ado, let's just get started. Hey, Daniel. Hi, Andrea. I'm so excited to have you here because I've asked you so many times to be on my podcast. I really wanted you as my guest. Um, And finally, you said yes. So can you tell me about yourself? Who are you?
1: Sure. Well, first, Andrea, thank you for having me. And um, thank you for wanting me on your podcast. Like I, I really don't feel like I'm at that level like because you have such amazing guests on this podcast. I'm still just starting off in my career. Um but I'm so happy to be here. Um so a little bit about myself. Uh you you did a great job in the intro talking about me and what I'm doing right now. But starting off, I I grew up dyslexic with a learning disability in school and I had a lot of trouble reading and writing and really just didn't like school and so I really focused a lot of my energy into sports and from there I even in college I majored in exercise science because it was most related to sports I wanted to be a coach Um, but but as I was in college playing sports I got injured and I had to figure out how to focus my focus my my goals my direction somewhere else so what I did was focus in school and I I focused on in research labs I worked in a neuroscience and a biomechanics research lab and I really fell in love with with school I started getting good grades and I think really sports helped teach me skills that were transferable to to academics so like I'm really happy for that and I think it it helps me with dyslexia um and and so then now I'm doing my PhD I did my master's at Humboldt State University um up in the pristine redwoods of California and now I'm in University of Illinois
0: so after when you started your when you graduated from kinesiology or even before that did you have a plan? Like, Did you wanted to become a physical therapist or even occupational therapist?
1: Um, so I didn't have a plan to be a physical therapist. I, my dream as a kid was to be a professional athlete and then maybe a coach if mm-hmm. I wasn't. Uh, but then I really got interested in physical therapy and rehabilitation when I saw my grandmother have a stroke and she forgot how to walk. And I really admired the physical therapist that helped her uh, relearn how to function and walk and do do everything and it was just so amazing to see how how the brain is malleable so after that I, I was really interested in physical therapy and I started going more along that track and started shadowing physical therapists and really working in the, in the neurological side of physical therapy um, but I didn't end up getting a physical therapy degree. And I ended up going to PhD route um, for, for various reasons, but I'm still looking into neurological disorders and really interested in that. And so I'm still like on the same, similar path.
0: So after a bachelor's, you decide to do your master's right away. Um, do you, did you start right away or like you took a break or something? Or why do you decide to do your master's?
1: Yeah, um, so I, as I said, I was working in a research lab and I was getting interested in doing a masters but with with my grades I didn't really know where I would go to to do my masters because having dyslexia is harder to harder to get into colleges really um but but I was still interested and my future advisor I was working in his lab and he saw me one day at the end of the 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 year before I graduated and he said, "Hey like Daniel I've been looking for you i've been I've been wanting to find you because there you'd be perfect to join our lab, get your masters here uh, do do this research we'll get published we'll go to conferences we'll have fun go on runs in in the forest and go agate hunting on the beach because we do we do fun things like that in that lab um, and it sounded so cool, but at the time I was planning to to go." go home and be with my family because I really love my family and so so I took a semester off and I went home still and I coached track and I coached my brother's youth football I coached track at a a junior college that semester and then so it was like a little gap semester Mm -hmm. to be with my family in Southern California and then I went back to Northern California to Humboldt State uh, did my and started my master's with Justice Ortega
0: so I know you have your first publication already. So congratulations. Um, Thank you. And I would like to talk about that. So I know that was your master's thesis. So can you tell me more about the the study itself?
1: Yeah. So the study, we looked at the energetic cost of walking in older adults, specifically older adults that did different physical activity. The physical activity we looked at was bicycling and walking. And what we what we just know as like a previous background to this is that older adults use more energy to walk uh, than a young adult would and so if you can think about this as economy um, like a fuel economy for a car older older adults older adults uh, are are less economical cars um, so they'll get 15 miles to the gallon versus 20 miles to the gallon like a young adult and we were curious why this was is one of our questions but also we found out that this may not be as set in stone as you get older as one used to think and so our previous research research saw that physical activity um improved this walking economy and so they became more economical so we saw that previously running um, improved walking economy while while walking didn't improve walking economy, so we were thinking, okay, it might be the intensity of the exercise or it might be the the exercise itself um, so so for our next study we recruited bicyclists and walkers, and we saw that the bicyclists were able to become um, more economical, more like a young adult mm-hmm. than a walker would. So even though walking is so beneficial in so many ways for exercise, it wasn't beneficial in this economy. Um, And and the reason economy might be important is because it's really related to gait speed and like fatigue of walking. And so if you don't, if you're using so much energy, you're probably not going to want to walk as much and you're going to probably walk slower. And that's really related to morbidity and mortality in older adults yeah so the bottom line is bicycling for exercise and also running for exercise can really improve uh, your your economy and really help your health in older age.
0: I have a question concerning that now that I'm listening to you so for the participants that you recruited for this study mm-hmm. were the were some of them really fit because um, I'm just wondering if. You compare, for example, I mean, this is just something that just came up in my mind. Mm -hmm. If you compare someone that is really fit and it's an older adult, comparing to a young adult that is, you know, obese,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: would it be? Does it? Again, you you just mentioned that older adults use more energy. Mm -hmm. Would that be the same case?
1: So yeah, really interesting. So, so an unfit young adult versus a fit young adult there's not much difference in this economy of of walking so like it's so so not try not to get I'm trying not to get too technical but your 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 cells are maybe 25% efficient um at utilizing energy when you're a young adult and that doesn't really change across fitness level oh. as a young adult but what changes is like the amount of cells that are able to work so so and and how long those cells can work so they don't fatigue out as fast um if I'm if I'm stating this right so so essentially essentially economy shouldn't change for fitness level but mm. but it does in older adults and so what we're thinking is that actually like as you get older your cells get less efficient because because the, there's just uh de- damage from the years and so think of like little holes happening in them and so energy like if we if we're thinking about fuel fuels just kind of leaking out a little bit mm-hmm. and so um what more vigorous exercise like bicycling and uh, running and potentially other more vigorous mm-hmm. exercises um do is they repair those cells um so that they're they're not going to leak anymore and mm-hmm. so that they're going to be more efficient again and wow, so that's that's, interesting. that's what happens yeah
0: I would never th- I mean now that I'm thinking about it I would never think that that would be the case
1: mm-hmm.
0: so after your bachelors. Well, you do your masters with Dr. Ortega. Mm-hmm. And then why do you decide to start your PhD? Uh
1: well, well I want to be a teacher and the reason I want to be a teacher is because my mom was a teacher so I grew up and she's like mm-hmm. such a great teacher as um some some listeners might know, Andrea knows. Um but yeah, she was a wonderful elementary school teacher and she she really inspires people to to learn and like I really wanted to start inspiring people to learn and to um like just help help people and, and get them involved. And then also I would definitely say Justice Ortega really inspired me a lot, like as a graduate professor, and I I wanna be be someone like him. Um so that's what really prompted me to get my PhD and then also I just wanted to just do the best research and like become the best I can be in in what I'm doing and so that's why I started pursuing a PhD.
0: But before your PhD, you started working at Rosalind Franklin
1: mm-hmm. as
0: a lab manager. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Yeah, so I I did look into PhD programs before Rosalind Franklin um and before University of Illinois, but I didn't I didn't get in. I got close to getting into a few schools. Um, but I didn't get in for various, like, to, joining a PhD program, it's, it's really like a a marriage, like, you, you really have to meet the person, get to know them, and see if they, they fit in your lab, and, uh, I think I was close, and, like, they might not have a spot for you, and I, I was close to, to getting in, but I didn't, um, so then I, I tried to find a research, like, a uh, a job that was similar to research that might help me get into a PhD program later on and and so I worked at Rosalind Franklin and we looked at uh people with total ankle ankle replacements mm-hmm. and so we did studies on the biomechanics of um how how much force people are putting into the ground how much ankle uh, extension and flexion they're having, how fast they're walking, different things uh, pre and post-surgery, and so we did a lot of research with um, ankle replacement people and looked really intricately at the foot and, like, the different ways the foot moves, yeah.
0: So if you were, and you were also a track coach, yeah, right, if you could go back, would you be a track coach or you would still choose a PhD route?
1: I love both like if i could i mean if I could go forward, it would be really cool to be a track coach and a professor and a researcher um it's It would be hard also to do all that but uh coaching track it's it's really fun it's it's similar to teaching you're you're taking these um athletes and you're figuring out uh what their strengths are what their weaknesses, and how to improve them in their specific uh goals so you so you really have to work with them, you have to create uh relations with them and get them to trust you um in in taking care of their goals to succeed so and they and they have to push themselves to the to the limits as well so I love coaching track as well, and I think it's actually really similar to education and learning mm-hmm. in in a lot of senses.
0: I really admire people that are able to run and that know how to run because I honestly dislike it so much, strongly dislike to run. So I'm glad there's people that are able to appreciate it like you. Um, So now I want to talk about your PhD. So what about the Motor Control Research Lab? Like what kind of research are you doing right now?
1: Yeah, the Motor Control Research Lab, we do a lot of cool research. Um, One of the things we do is we have a app that that we've developed that tests fall risk um, in older adults in people with multiple sclerosis, and we're putting in other populations as well. And like in in a time of COVID nineteen, it's really great to have ease of ask a- access um, health screenings such such as our our application that we're making. Um, we also what I'm looking at is motor learning, and so motor learning is very similar to like rehabilitation in neurological disorders and so i'm looking at um, how how people with multiple sclerosis learn how to walk a unique way and seeing if they have any deficits in that or um, if they're able to maintain that and look at different aspects of the motor learning and then we're also going to be looking at brain activity while they're learning this task and one of the really cool things that we have is it's called an fNIR, fNIRS, um, and it's near infrared imaging, and so we're able to look at prefrontal cortex um, brain activity while people are doing a locomotive task. Um, so most most um, neurological neural imaging research, they do when they do tasks like this, they do it in an fMRI or a PET scan. Um and so it's a very simple task. so so we have the opportunity to actually look at more complex tasks and see what's mm-hmm. going on while they're learning that task.
0: Yeah. So for those of you that are listening, if you don't know what multiple sclerosis is, it's a non-immune disease and basically um, there is a demyelination process. So can you talk more about that? Because like I'm not sure like a lot of people know what multiple sclerosis is.
1: Sure, yeah. Yeah. So as as Andrea said it's an autoimmune disease so if you've heard of other autoimmune disease it's like when your immune system attacks your body and so this time the immune system is attacking attacking the nervous system and it happens throughout the central nervous system so it can be um, really anywhere in the brain and so and it attacks myelin in the brain and myelin is like the fatty sheath that um, go around axons and so this fatty sheath um think of it as electrical tape, so it helps um send quicker signals from neuron to neuron and throughout mm-hmm. the brain and so when these uh myelin and aren't aren't there, then the signal can't propagate correctly, and the neurons um won't fire correctly. these neurons can also die um and this happens in various ways. Uh, at various times so they'll it'll happen very acutely or it happens slowly over time um and it happens in different brain regions so so the disease um it progresses differently in different people mm. and um affects different differently in different people as well
0: with covid-19 going on do you foresee any changes uh in your current research
1: um we have been potentially we we we've been looking into ways we might have to do motor learning research uh, tele tele telecommunatively like over Zoom or uh, video or, or something like that, but uh, it's it, it's hard to to do more quantitative measurements measuring like this walking speed or accuracy without. Um, the equipment we have we can use video technology but it's still um I, it's still in the works and hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully there's a time when COVID-19 goes down and goes away and we're able to get people back into the lab and do do some of our core research again.
0: Daniel do you have any advice for current PhD students or even like master's students or people that just started um, their kinesiology degree
1: um yeah yeah i have i think i have a lot of advice um i think first off like since i had dyslexia like you have to take a a test called the gre and i i it was it really wasn't representative of my e- intellect or my um education or anything like that um and so it it was that was one of the reasons it would be harder for me to to get into research labs and, and be, be, get my PhD to just, um, people wouldn't even accept my score at first. And they they said you had to, you had to meet this score to even be looked at. And so like some, some universities didn't even look at me because of that. Um, so what I would say is find, really reach out to professors at first and, and talk to them and, and try to meet them in person I think like it's worth like driving or flying to the university and meeting the professor and, and then they get to know what type of person you are, like beyond a number. Um the second the second is PhDs aren't for everyone and and because of that, like it, it should be specific, like if if you if it is for your goal, do a PhD, but if not don't do it and then also look into programs that you can get scholarship money, you can get tuition waived for that's really important because you don't want to get a PhD and be in debt. So I I think one of the reasons actually I decided physical th- over physical therapy to get my PhD was um there wasn't there's not a lot of physical therapy schools that you get paid for. While my PhD and my masters, I got everything.
0: Is there any
1: i i don't I wonder, know like, if there is any i'm sure that. i'm sure you can probably if, if you're an excellent student you can probably find scholarships and stuff like that but yeah i don't i don't think it's as common um the other thing like something really important is that when i was saying like Cs aren't for everyone Cs it's a job it's a lot of work and so just be ready to to be doing a lot of work all the time and mm-hmm. like um, hopefully you enjoy it. like if you don't enjoy it, if, you, if you're just doing it to do it,' um, it's, it's not 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 for you. Um, and then hopefully you have good support in your family and in your lab as well. Um, so, so those are those are some of the thing, words of advice I have.
0: Did you move today?
1: Yeah, I moved today. i I went on a run today with my dogs. And um, then we did a sprint up a up a hill at the end, and so I, as as like some of my research I was talking about aerobic exercise is really important for health, and then also uh like the sprint it's like vigorous exercise, we see that vigorous exercise is really important, so I try to incorporate that into my into my exercise routine very frequently um and but that's not to say that there's so many other aspects like flexibility. Um, like yoga and dance and mindfulness are also so important. Um, so, but yes, I did move today.
0: Daniel, what's movement for you?
1: Ah, So, so movement, uh, it's so many things. Um, one, like moving through life. And so um, I can even relate it to, to sports. Like I had to, always, as a football player, as a running back, I had to uh, move the ball down the field and so i would i would relate that to life where even if one play i didn't get anywhere i had to get up and keep moving the next day or the next the next play um and on another note so like just just in life movement like you always have to just keep moving forward regardless of what's happening if it's bad or good you just have to keep moving forward and keep doing what's best for you and for people around you and helping helping people around you um but in like a physical activity aspect like movement is just so important to to put into your life and so i i think it's so important to just even when you're so busy to find 15 to 30 minutes a day to get exercise in it's gonna make you feel better it's gonna make you healthier and it's gonna actually like jumpstart your life and like even when you're feeling fatigued at the end of the day, if you get some exercise in, it's it's like a cup of coffee. It, it kind of wakes you up. It kind of gives you that second wind. So movement is so important. And that's why I study it. Yeah.
0: Where can we find you online?
1: Ah, uh, online. Well, I mean, you can find me not online, uh, in the forest, running, uh, biking. But, but online, you can find me... Um, I'm in the... I just published my paper in the Journal of Aging and Physical Activity, and then so you can find me there um I have a research gate i have um i th- I have linkedin um and also you but you can really find me at my my labs research site so if you type in motor control research lab you can you can find me there
0: great, Daniel. Thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time. And then I'm glad finally that you finally say yes. Yeah, I'll, so again I'm so happy that you said yes. Um, and yeah, I'm so glad that I was able to that I met you at PhD recruitment day, which was like almost like over a year and a half ago. Yeah. So yeah, is there anything else that you would like to share with the people listening t- today?
1: No, I I just keep following your dreams. Um, keep keep pushing and and like even if you feel like you're you're not going to you're not good enough at some point everyone everyone's like not good at first so you just have to keep working hard and um yeah keep following your dreams
0: all right guys i hope that you moved today and if you haven't you still have a couple hours